0: Turn to your neighbor and say, I am so glad to be sitting next to you. I am I am very fortunate and excited. I'm excited today. I'm very excited for this word that God's given to me. It's going to be super exciting. I need you to pretend that you have a seatbelt. Put your seatbelt on, fasten up, and get ready because it's going to be good today. C.S. Lewis said this, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And so the question is exactly where is God asking you to begin again? You know, in the beginning, the word Genesis. In the beginning, there, that word is mentioned three other places. So Genesis again is beginning, and that is it's, it's a specific moment an order. It's a rank. It's something that officially happened. God God moves in order. He moves in rank. That word beginning Genesis in the Hebrew is reshith, and it's also mentioned in the harvest of first fruits. But it's also mentioned when Jesus rose from the grave. And so in the very, very beginning in creation, God's word of beginning is mentioned three times. Again, in the beginning when he created everything, the day of first fruits, a harvest that is celebrated when you celebrate all of your first fruits and your crops and all the good stuff. And then when Jesus rose from the grave, and Jesus rising from the grave changes everything, right? What makes Christianity different than every other religion? Jesus rising from the grave. There, there is no God, there is no religion that can compare to what we have right here in the Bible, what we have in God, what we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus changed everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus changed everything. And for those who accept Jesus and what he did on the cross and the sacrifice, that becomes your new beginning. When you accept Jesus and what he did, everything that he gave himself on that cross, the moment that you fully surrender, the moment you take the cross and you fully surrender to the cross, and a new beginning happens for you. We're in a theme called In the Beginning. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Genesis 3. We're going to start in verse 1. It says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it or you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open, and as soon as you eat it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked so delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit, she ate it, she gave some to her husband, who was with her, knucklehead, and he ate it too at that moment their eyes were completely open and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness so they sewed fig leaves together because Nordstroms was closed to cover themselves and so as we start this morning the first thing that we have to point out is Adam and Eve had a had an enemy in the garden and they didn't even know the, the enemy was there They had in the very, 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 very beginning of life, of creation, they had an enemy, and this enemy attacked them, and he attacked them, and they had no idea that the attack was coming. The minute you accept Jesus Christ in your life, the enemy comes after you as well. When you begin again in the beginning of your Christianity, in the beginning of your Christian walk, the enemy sets out to stop you. We know that he is here to steal, kill, and destroy And he wants to stop you from all that God has for you. We have an an enemy. And it's important to understand if we have an enemy, we need to understand what he does, who he is, and everything that he is, right? Just like in sports, If if you're a sports fan, when you play other teams, you need to know where their weaknesses and strengths are so you can mutilate them right if you're competitive like me you want to you always want to win right winning is number 1 right we're not out to lose i hate losing i hate to lose if i play i play to win and if i'm going to play somebody you want to know where their strengths and their weaknesses are right why so you can take them out right in life in christianity we need some aggressive christians to understand that there's an enemy every single day just like God sends out his love letters to you, and God is sweet, and he's kind, and he's encouraging, he's also disciplining, he's rebuking, he's correcting, all good things that are good for our growth, the devil also sends out his letters to you. But unfortunately, most Christians, they accept that, that email, they accept those notes more than they accept God's. We have more Christians today walking around defeated than they are victorious. There are more Christians who have no idea. They're confused and they're so confused because they didn't know that they bought into the lie of the enemy. You know, in the beginning, when you begin again, you become a Christian. One of the greatest things you have to learn how to do is how do I hear the voice of God? Just like like that last song that we sang, How do I hear the voice? How do I discern? Because you know what? Most people have no idea. Most Christians have no idea of the voice of God. It's small, it's still, it's quiet, and there are so many things that speak a lot louder than God's voice to us. And so there are many believers who they have bought in to the devil's voice, and they think they're hearing God, but they're hearing the devil. And there are many believers today who think they're hearing God, but they're actually hearing themselves. One of the ultimate goals for all of us as believers is I must learn to know God's voice How do we learn his voice? How do we know? How do we know for sure? The greatest filter that we have is the Bible. And if it does not line up with what God's word says from beginning to end, from beginning to end, if it doesn't line up with everything that's in here, chances are you're not hearing God's voice, you're hearing somebody else's voice. What did the devil do? The devil says he was described that he was clever, he was crafty. He insinuated a falsehood. And listen, he portrayed a rebellion to these people, to this lovely couple. I'm sure Adam and Eve were were some of the most two beautiful people in the world. To them, he insinuated a, a falsehood, and he portrayed rebellion to them as innocence. Very important to catch this. He portrayed rebellion as innocence. This is where the devil, and and. Most of us in here like playgrounds, right? We still go to the playground, go down the slides, swing on the swings a little bit. This is the devil's playground. He uses rebellion, but how he preaches it to us is its innocence. Oh, this is okay. This is good for you. He's clever, he's crafty, he insinuated a falsehood, portrayed rebellion as innocence, and he fed them their self-interest. How did he do this? Well, we know that it says the devil was disguised. He used a serpent. We know that the Bible describes the enemy, Satan, as an angel of light. We know that it describes him as a roaring lion. We know that it also describes him as the accuser of the brethren, right? How many of us have ever seen that lizard that is a chameleon? That That is described, if you look in the dictionary, as a person or a thing that changes their opinion or behavior according to their situation. And I know hundreds, thousands even maybe millions of Christians who their faith is just like this. They change behavior and they change their, their thoughts and their patterns according to every single situation. How do they do that? Because they've allowed the enemy and his voice to be disguised as an angel of light, accepting his message instead of God's. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. he disguises himself as an angel of light. It's no wonder that his servant has also disguised themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. 2 Peter 5.8 says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. The devil is tricky. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's tricky he is tricky he tells the best jokes he is the sweetest most kindest wonderfulest person in the whole wide world he is tricky he's an angel of light that's why many people have no idea when they're being lied to because it seems and sounds and it feels ah just right what do the devil tactics? what are the things that he used number one And this needs to be really, really important and top of mind. He used the word of God. God gave a very clear description to Adam, not to Adam and Eve. Now, if God had given the description to Adam and Eve, maybe we wouldn't have been in this situation, right? Because Eve might have smacked, you know, Adam around. Who knows, right? But if God said to both of them, maybe we wouldn't have been in this situation. Doesn't matter. God gave his word. I'm giving you the world. I'm giving you this garden. You can have anything you want except for one thing. The devil takes the word of God, and what does he do? He uses it for selfish reasons. He uses the word of God. He twists it, and he uses it for selfish reasons. There are so many people who quote the word of God today for selfish reasons. For people who like to smoke pot, they say, In the beginning, God created every plant that is good, seed-bearing, blah, 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 right? How many times as believers have you heard someone quote that verse, right? It's amazing how many selfish people, selfish Christians who want to quote the Bible for what? For selfishness. Reasons. What does the devil do? Number one, the absolute number one thing that he does with his tactic is he takes the word of God and he twists it so that it feeds your selfish needs. It feeds you selfishly. Now, did Jesus come here and say, ah, I came here to teach you how to be selfish. I left heaven because your people were too unselfish. You needed to learn how to be more selfish like me. No. Jesus, when he came here, he said, I didn't come to be served. I didn't come so that you would serve me. Jesus said, I came to serve you. If you want to follow me, take up your cross, deny yourself, and then follow me. Anything that feeds your selfish interests, that is the devil. No offense. God wants you to be happy, right? But happiness is not our own happiness. He wants us to find his happiness, the joy of the Lord, first, first. But living a life that is feeding our own self-interest, it is a life that is dominated by the devil. He used the word of God, twisting it for selfish reasons. Then using the word of God, number two, he planted doubt into the mind of Eve. He took God's word and he started to get Eve to doubt what God had said. And think about it. Eve heard it through Adam, right? Eve heard it through her boyfriend, and who knows if he even gave her the full story, right? Adam could have gave her the abbreviated story, because we know that when Eve quoted it to the devil, she even added something. Nowhere in God's, in his speech to Adam did he say, touch it. He never even used that word. So Eve gave her own little personal touch on there, or it's something that she heard from Adam, which wasn't there but regardless the doubt that the devil had used maybe the doubt that she had from her man she started to doubt the situation she started to doubt what is really going on what is real she started sometimes doubting maybe the messenger that god had used which was adam be careful doubt is not something that god uses doubt is not something that god uses god He doesn't need to use doubt, right? But the devil will use doubt every single day to get you to doubt yourself, to get you to doubt him, to get you to doubt the word of God, to get you to doubt his promises, and to get you to doubt other brothers and sisters in the Lord. God's messengers. Be careful that you don't let doubt creep into your heart. The devil used trick questions. Manipulating the situation and manipulating Eve... Again, all the while, while her, her dumb husband was watching, right? We know that good old Adam was sitting there watching and listening while his wife was being manipulated. And I don't know about you and who, it doesn't matter if we get crucified this for this or not, man. We were meant to protect our wives. We were meant to protect our wives. We we're meant to protect our kids. And if they don't like it, it's too bad, right? We're in this situation because Adam did not stick up for his bride. He didn't. We must stick up for the women that God has placed in our life. We must stick up and defend what is right for them, even if they don't want it, right? We know that Satan is an accuser of the brethren. It says that, you know, he he actually accuses us. And and think about this. He actually the, the picture that he paints to Eve, God is stingy, God is strict, God is selfish. Now, God had given them the whole entire world and garden and said, You just can't eat one. Now, does that sound stingy or strict, greedy, or selfish to you? But in the moment, that was the picture he painted to Eve. And so in her mind, she started thinking, well, The devil's right. Why is God being so strict? This tree looks so beautiful. Why is God being so selfish? Why would God be like that? The accusations and the doubt that he planted in her mind caused her to forget everything that God had given to her, everything that God had given to her. The 99.9 beautiful things that he had given to her, she forgot all about it in the moment. And there was only one thing that she could focus on. Wow, I can't have this? Man, God's mean. You know, sometimes that's how our mind wraps around tithing, right? We know that in tithing, the Bible talks about giving 10%. And you could get stuck on that. Oh, my gosh. God wants me to tithe 10 whole percent of my income. God is so stingy. God is so strict. God is so selfish. Instead of being focused on keeping the 90% that he says, use this 90% for you, this, this, and this, all I'm asking is you give 10% to feed the temple of God, to feed my house, to take care, to keep the lights on, to keep this going, to do this. He's only asking for 10, but what does the devil do with tithing? Boy, God is so greedy. God is so Old Testament with tithing. He gets your mind thinking on something so far from what God has for you. And in this moment for Eve, this is what exactly he speaks to her. God is stingy, he's strict, and he's selfish. Forgetting what God has given to focus on what is forbidden. This is one of the devil's greatest weapons he uses. I'm forgetting what God has given me. And all I can focus on right now is what is Forbidden. There's so many people who fall today. It's the illusion of freedom. It's the illusion of freedom. I need to be free. And the devil promises you every single day, just listen to me and I'll make you free. Just listen to me. Just follow me and I will make you free. What God has, it's old. That's old. That doesn't belong today. That's all old stuff. That's Old Testament, New Testament. Let's throw out the New Testament too. God is stingy, he's greedy, his his pastors are this, and his people are this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and on and on and on he goes. And the minute your mind turns and you lose sight of what God has done for you, you have fully bought into the lie. You have bought into the illusion of freedom. What did the devil promise? He says, listen, eat the fruit, your eyes will be opened. Now, think about this for a second. Most of us have our eyes open right now, right? Now, if your eyes are open and you're listening to the devil and he's saying your eyes are going to be open, when you like question, like, dude, this guy's lame. I'm already got my eyes open, right? This dude is a loser. What is he talking about? But see, Eve's mind was already so far gone in the doubt and confusion, she wasn't listening anymore. And that's exactly what the devil does in our minds. And that's exactly what he does with God's children all over the world. Some of the things he says, you don't even hear it anymore because you've already started to buy into it. Your eyes will be open. What do you mean, they are open? You're going to see things different. You're going to know good and evil. And here's one. You will be like God. And you know what's crazy? They already were like God. They already were like God. They were made in his image. But everything that he used, he played it perfectly. So that Eve bought into every single thing. Two things. She started to look at the fruit, and she says, it looks delicious. Secondly, it says that she wanted to gain wisdom. He inspired the look. He inspired the image. Of sin he inspired you can be so wise you can truly now be like God you can be like God you know that for him that's what he thought as a worship leader in heaven before Satan fell he started to think I am so hot right now I am so good do you hear Do you hear those people in their voices wait a second Are they singing to God or are they singing to me? Look at this. The devil's saying, I make all of this happen. I make all of this happen. And he says to Eve, because he's inspiring her to be just like him, we can be like God. We can know everything. These are the promises. These are the things that he was promising to them. But what actually was delivered is immediately when their eyes were open, it says that they noticed that they were naked. They didn't notice that they were naked before. They didn't notice that they did not have clothes on before. They felt pure, innocent, and natural. But the minute, the absolute minute that they tasted sin, the minute they disobeyed God, in one second, all innocence was gone. All innocence was gone. The nakedness was there. They became self-aware of themselves. They had a self-awareness that they never, ever, ever seen or had before. No matter what the devil promises to you, no matter what he says to you, no matter what lie he feeds you every single day, you need to understand that what will be delivered is a self-awareness that you're not prepared to handle. We have a self-awareness problem in our world today. People become so self-aware of themselves, and they are so self-consumed. Why? It's because of the sin and the lies that the devil preached to them, and they accepted every one of them, and they gobbled it up. Every single human being is made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. You are his son. You are his daughter. The minute you accept Jesus Christ in your heart, you become adopted in the family. You are a son. You are a daughter. And you should start acting and walking and talking like the son and daughter that you absolutely are. But the problem is, is as good as that sounds, Satan's lies sound good too. And the minute you buy into one, you become more self-aware than you were designed to ever be. Immediately feeling shame. Immediately feeling the separation from God. And immediately, here's a big one, fractured relationships. If you don't have God in the center of your relationships, eventually the relationship will be fractured. If God is not in the center of you, God's not in the center of your relationships, eventually that relationship will become fractured. It will. No matter what the devil promises to you, no matter what lie he says to you, if you buy into it, it will fracture. There are so many guys and girls out there today cheating on their spouses. They have purchased and bought into the lie. It's okay to have good, close friends of the opposite sex. It's really not. You should be guarded. You should keep yourself well guarded. If you are married, you are meant to be married to one, and you should be loyal and guarded to that one, but the devil out there preaches over and over again, have multiple friends. It's healthy to have this, 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 and this. And there are many people who fall into sin and they will die in their fractured relationships because they bought into the lie. There are Christians, non-Christians alike, every single day they are screwing up and they are losing it because they bought into the lie. They knew good, but in this moment Adam and Eve now knew what evil felt like. And you know what? They didn't like it. And honestly, the minute you buy into the lie too, you're not going to like it either. It created an idleness, an inaction, an activity inside of them. How many of us have heard of a feeding trough? If there's, you know, animal lovers out there, a feeding trough is a place where food is placed for animals and they come and they pig out. There are a few things the devil sets out to feed you with every single day. Number one, pride. Self-exaltation. He wants you to exalt yourself. He wants you in your mind, your heart, and your soul to place you. You are number one. You are it. You are the best of the best. You are the cream of the crop. And, and, and listen to this. You need to hear that you are amazing. You all in here are absolutely, you are amazing, wonderful people. But you know what makes you amazing? Your creator. Your creator makes you Amazing. Your creator makes you beautiful. Your creator makes you handsome. You in yourself do not make yourself this way. It is your creator. The devil's number one thing that he uses, because this is what made him fall: self-all exaltation. You need to exalt yourself. You are better than him. You are better than her. You are better than your coworkers. You are better than this. You are better than them. You are better than them. We live, and most of us know this. And a look at a look-at-me generation. This is a selfie generation where, where people constantly are taking pictures. And I'm not saying that's wrong, okay? Nothing wrong with that. But it's what the devil uses as a selfie generation so that you get stuck on you and you're not stuck on him anymore. People live on phones. And I believe me, I know I have a job that forces me to live on mine as well. But I'm not taking pictures every five minutes of where I go and what I do. It's not worth my time to do that. I don't really care. I go to work, I get my job done, and I go home, right? I don't need to take pictures of myself all day. But there are men and women alike who everywhere they go, everything they do, they have to take a picture of themselves. They got to post this. I'm eating here. I'm doing this. I'm out with this. I'm out with this. But you know what? If you take a step back, what, what that says, you really do care a lot about yourself. Do you care enough about him, or are you just posting enough about you? Selfie generation. Look at what I'm doing. Look at where I'm going. And here's a big one: leaving God out of my plans and placing my plans above his plan. At the end of the day, that's what happens. Second thing he feeds us is with fear and insecurity. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous. Likely to cause pain or a threat. Fear is crazy. Fear is crazy. Just as so many people struggle with pride and thinking they're better than everybody else, the same amount of people struggle with fear and insecurity. And most people don't want to admit it. You know what we do with fear and insecurity? And and most guys don't wear makeup. But people who struggle with fear, they use cover up all the time. So in every conversation, if fear is about to come out, if fear, if if their deep, darkest fears are about to come up, oh, no, no, no I got to change the conversation. I gotta, I don't want no one to know that I'm afraid. I don't want no one to, th- to know that I'm afraid to die. I don't want no one to, to know that I'm afraid to, f- to fail. I don't want no one to know that I'm, af- I'm afraid of the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Men and women alike, fear is one of the most destructive things out there. And you know why fear is so deadly? Because when you're not honest with your fears, You immediately start building walls around you and what happens is you close out the people in your life closest to you you close out God and then you become at some point unable to hear the truth because you are covering and protecting yourself so much of that fear that you have that you don't want no one to touch it not even God himself and a lot of Christians and believers they walk away they walk away from God. They walk away from pushy Christians like me because they know that sometimes they don't want their buttons pushed anymore. They don't need to be pushed and inspired, you know, to be all that God wants them to be. They don't want to do that because they're afraid. They're afraid to fail. People who are prideful, people who are, afraid, who are prideful are afraid to fail. People who have pride, they're afraid to come up on the stage because what if I look stupid? What if I sound dumb? What if I make a mistake? What if I'm not called? The truth of the matter is we're all called. There's only a few who take up the mic, right? We are all called, but only a few take up the mic. God does not want pride to stop you from doing what he put you here to do. And then he doesn't want you to get so stuck in your fear. He doesn't want you to get so stuck in your fear that you build the wall around, everywhere around you so that no one... Not even God's voice gets through. And I wonder this morning, as we're talking about fear, how many in here have become so afraid of one thing that they don't hear God's voice anymore? I know. I feel it. I sense it. And I know. Fear is alive and well. Just like our slide, I don't know if you've heard, but you'll hear eventually. Church used to have a a big blow-up slide. The slide has died. The slide has died. And the last time that we used the slide at our house, we probably didn't dry it long enough, and so we closed it up, and it got really super moldy. And unfortunately, Aaron was going to use it this weekend, and we're really sorry, Aaron. But as he unfolded the slide, the death smell of mold came across everywhere. And when mold starts growing, what does it do? It takes over. What does fear do in your life when you enable it? What do you do when the devil feeds you with fear? You let it take over. The minute you let that fear take over, and it could just be one thing you're deathly afraid of, one thing you're deathly afraid of, the minute you accept it, the minute you you have decided, I'm going to preserve myself, I am not going to face this fear, I am not going to do this, God, don't ask me because I'm not going to do it, I'm going to run away from you and run away from this and run away from that, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to face my fear. The minute you decide to protect that, you stop hearing his voice because fear to you in that moment has become more important to you than his voice the devil obviously and most of us know this he uses lust and he uses strong desires and he uses envy every day he's out there how many people is he feeding with that word lust and how many people are talking you know well i used to say the opposite sex but some people talk about the same sex now right right and he is feeding that lust like crazy. It's like going to a hometown buffet and eating over and over and over again. The devil uses lust as one of his biggest weapons that he uses to get people so stuck on someone else and taking your eyes off God himself. He uses envy, and man, that person's got this car and this house, and they've got a pool, and I don't have a pool. The devil uses envy, one of his biggest tools, to keep you unhappy, to keep you uncontent, so that you're constantly thinking, I don't have it, and they do, and it's not fair. I love the sound of adults sometimes because, you know, it's, we adults sound like spoiled, rotten babies sometimes. Just listen to each other's conversations and, and take, and I, I do at times as well, right? I'm not saying, I'm not up here painting to paint a, a beautiful picture of John, no. I'm saying for all of us, listen to all of our conversations sometimes. We all want nice things. We all want nice stuff. But a weapon that the devil uses to destroy you every single day, lust and envy. Wanting to take something desiring something that does not belong to you. It doesn't. Hard lessons that Adam and Eve learned in this moment. Number one, Eve accepted an invitation into the devil's kind of life. Eve accepted an invitation into the devil's kind of life. She gave up on God's way of life for the devil's way of life. Ouch. A hard lesson learned when she took a step back, when she, at the end of the day, the hardest thing, I just made a big, big mistake. Most people, see, that's the thing with us. We don't really realize it till it's too late. Most of us in this room have bought into, let's just say, 25 lies. And those 25 lies are trying to destroy everything that is good inside of you. And the more you believe it, the more you buy into it, the more that you accept it, you will not know until it destroys and hurts something that is very good. Eve accepted an invitation to the devil's kind of life, and she gave up on God's way of life. She assumed, Eve, the right to decide what is right and good for her, taking that right away from God. When you take something that does not belong to you, you are assuming the role I'm my own God, and I will take and do whatever I want. And you're taking that right away from God. God hasn't put you here with superpowers so you can just go and do and take whatever you want in the world. He's put you here so that you follow him. Don't take and try and take God's right away. You need to submit to God alone. He is the creator. And as we get close to start wrapping up, We end with our wrestling match this morning, and I'm going to read a couple verses, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this this morning, but I will need some helpers here in a minute, and I'm glad we got some good helpers here. But Ephesians 6, starting in 10, says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. We are not fighting flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Most people have no idea every single day, every single battle they face is demonically influenced. We are stuck in a wrestling match. The problem is the other person's winning because we're blaming the wrong thing. Paul says, listen, we're not fighting flesh and blood enemies, but how many of us have our claws, our knives, and our swords out because we're trying to take down somebody in the flesh? We're trying to take them out. We want to take them out. We want to take out what we can see, right? Because it's easy, isn't it? If you're bothered... If you're, if you're hot and you're bothered and you're frustrated, it's just easy to attack the very first person you see. This is nice. Somebody else put a knife up here. That's cool. So we got a couple little mini knives. One, two, three, four, five. If you're hot and bothered and frustrated, you don't typically just start swinging at the devil and taking punches. If you're hot and bothered, you go find the first human you can see and you want to murder them. You murder them with your words. Some of us parents, sometimes we take it out on our kids. Sometimes we take it out on our spouses. Sometimes we take it out on our coworkers. Sometimes we take it out on our walls and we give them those nice gentle bumps until there's a hole there, right? If you're in a wrestling match this morning, do you honestly know what you're wrestling with? If you're wrestling with something that's demonic, If the devil is hot and heavy for you every single moment of your life, do you know what things that he is doing? Do you know what lies that he's trying to convince you of? Do you absolutely know what things that you are wrestling with? My last part of my verse is this. I'm not going to read the whole part of the armor of God. But it says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert, stay persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And if I can have Joel, Aaron, Shiloh, Josh, and Jalen, come on up here real quick. Come on down. Come on down. Since Joel's oldest, he's going to get the, the biggest sword, okay? So, <laughs> we're just going to go in age, okay? Shiloh, I know, I'm sorry. Which one do you want? (laughs) All right. So open up your blades. (laughs) Warriors of light. Now, putting on the armor of God, and I brought my little thing here, which is the armor of God. Paul said you have to learn how to be strong. Everybody stand and face out forward with your knife. He says, you have to stand strong and stand firm. And one of the things that he said for us that we have to learn how to use is the sword of the spirit. Now, if we were to just look at Joel, everybody give a hand clap for Joel, right? (laughs) Joel's awesome, right? He's got the biggest sword, right? Now, if we were to take bets and, and... Sorry, most people may bet on Aaron rather than dad, sorry. But if they were to battle right now, Joel's sword is a little bit longer, right? So he may have a little, he's got age and he's got length on his sword as an advantage. But if they were to battle it out, I wonder who would win, right? And, and uh, Jana, come here real quick. Come over here and pop out your knife. Now, if you're going to go and battle Joel with that sucker, most of us are going to bet on who? Joel, right? <laughs> No offense. Sorry, man. You got the small sword. Next time we'll give you the big one, okay? You guys can just lay those on the ground. Go ahead and put them down. You're cool. Thank you. Give them a hand for everybody. You guys are awesome. You swung those swords around good. You can just drop them. Just drop them right where they're at. You're cool. And listen. Actually, Joel, come on up here real quick. You guys are good. You can sit down. Thank you. Come on up with your sword. Everybody else can sit down. Thank you. Well, whatever you feel like. I knew that's what you wanted, yeah. (laughs) Come on up. Come up right up here next to me. Can you point that the other way, though? Yeah. Now, listen. Jalen had a small knife, and if he was battling Joel, we said most of us would bet on Joel with age, experience, and the length of weapon. If you're in the Word every day, studying, reading, reading, digesting, you are most prepared for the devil and his lies. But if you're not in the word, once a week, I hear a little on Sunday, maybe Wednesday night, ah, I listen to a little preaching on the way to work. Most of us, this is what we're trying to battle the devil with when we could be battling like this. We are trying to fight him with the very little That our head knows and understands because we're not feeding enough on the truth and the word of God. And it is so easy for the devil, it is so easy for him to get some of us in here to believe the lies because he uses the word of God. There are Christian men, women, pastors who take the word of God and they're the devil's instrument. They are twisting, they are using scripture for what? Self-interest. Is that what it's meant for? I thought it was for his interests, right? Or is it supposed to be for our self-interest? I know. Thank you. There are pastors who are preaching incorrect today because they're using the Word of God to feed your flesh. Send your money. Send your check. I'm going to feed your flesh. There are men and women, when they get mad at you, there are men and women who will use the Bible, and you know what they use? They, they use the Bible, and they're going to bash another believer because they didn't get something. There was something that they were unhappy about, and what do they use? They'll take the word of God, and now I know that this person's wrong, and I know that, that person's wrong, and what do they do with the devil? I know what they're going to do. The devil uses the word of God to put good men and women down. If you are not reading, studying this like you should, then you're walking around trying to hit the devil. Come here. Come here, devil. Let me get you. Let me get you back. Oh, you hit me. Ah, I'm going to hit you back. But if you're reading and studying and, and when it talks about reading and studying the Bible, it's over. And over again. God is repetitive. Most people hate to be repetitive. Most people hate when we do the same song over and over and over again. We as humans, we hate repetitiveness. But you know what? God is repetitive. He tells the same story over and over and over again. When? Until you get it. You have to read it what? Over, 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 over again. Until what? Until you get it. And so this morning, stand with us. Come on and stand. As we get ready to close in prayer, and these are my son's swords, so these are not for free, so no, nobody take Or Michael will be mad at me, which I guess is okay sometimes, right? But yeah. And as we stand and we close and pray this morning, one last visual. Are you fighting with this or are you more fighting like this? And some of us in here this morning, you're walking around defeated because you're not feeding yourself properly. And some of us this morning, you're, you're, you're unhappy and unsatisfied because you're not feeding yourself properly. And some of us this morning, we are walking around and we have fully bought into the lies of the devil. What did he do? Insinuated innocence when it really wasn't innocent. What did he do? Inspired rebellion. Rebellion. And said, this is going to be amazing. You're going to get so much from this. Blah, 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 blah. Some of us this morning have bought into the lies and the rebellion of the devil. Because we don't have enough of this. We don't have enough of this. It's not my job to read the Bible with you every morning. It's not my job to text you and make sure, did you pick up your Bible today? If you are a grown-up, if you are a man or a woman, you have the duty as a created son and daughter to read what dad wants you to know. It's his orders. That's what he's put you here to do. You're not gonna fight and win the war like this, but you definitely have a better chance swinging with something like this. Let's pray. With your eyes closed and heads bowed, One of the saddest things in the whole wide world is to see sons and daughters of the king, sons and daughters of the Lord who have bought into so many lies. And it's one of the saddest things in the whole wide world to watch Christians who stumble and fall and Christians who do this and do that, Christians who become rebellious and Christians who have got stuck in their own theology because they bought into the devil's lies. The devil twists scripture and what does he do? He makes it for your self-interest. If you're going to quote the scripture for your own self-interest, guess who helped inspire that. And so this morning, just one question. As we wrap, as we close, as the worship team is going to come back up here in a second. With your eyes closed and heads bowed, just one real honest question. You know this is a statement, the enemy is real. The question is, do you understand what lie he's preached to you? Do you understand this morning what lie he's preached to you? That's all I'm asking you to ask yourself. What lie is he preached to me? Well, then I guess we can ask another. Did I accept it? Did I accept it? We're going to close in a a song. And as we do, some of us, we're going to start cleaning. But if you're here this morning... And if you absolutely know that the devil has just used and abused you, the devil has taken advantage of you, the devil has lied to you, and you've accepted it because it sounds so good and it sounds so good for you, you seriously need to have a minute with God right now. And just pray and ask God. God, I don't want to hear it. God, I probably don't want to know the truth. But in this moment, have I accepted a lie? The devil promised me growth, knowledge, wisdom. The devil promised that I would be like you, God. The devil promised happiness and freedom and self and this and that. God, did I buy into a lie? God, help me to be brave and strong enough to accept the truth if I did. God, if there's any lies that are in me, God, help me to be strong and brave enough to know. And with your eyes closed and heads bowed, one last story and then we're going to pray and get out of here. You know, for me and my testimony, I knew that God was real. I grew up in church, but at some point I didn't know that the devil was really real. And one day, as I'm riding with my friend and we're on a short road trip, we're talking about God. We're talking about spiritual things. And all of a sudden, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. You see, because with, when I was in this car with my friend, I started rehearing all these things that the devil has said to me for years. And one of the things, because I was, I was doing some bad things at the time, the devil would always say, you don't want to stop this yet. You don't want to be like that kind of Christian. You don't want to be like that person over there. You don't want to stop this yet. And the minute that I realized how real the devil was and his lies were so good and that I'd listened for so long, the minute I realized that he had stopped me from what God wanted for me, then my eyes were reopened again. And I'm just asking you to pray this morning. I hope you've listened. I hope you paid attention this morning. And I hope you're asking yourself right now, Have I believed any lies? God, forgive me. And help me to be brave and and courageous enough to deal with it. God, we thank you again for July 4th and all that it means for our freedom. God, we thank you for your son Jesus and all that he gave, all that you gave for us and all that he gave of himself for us so that we could be free. We apologize because many of us, we walk right back into slavery when your son paid for freedom for us. Many Americans don't enjoy the freedom that people have paid the way for, that they gave their lives for. And many believers the same. We don't enjoy and live in the freedom that you paid the way for. God, forgive us this morning and help us to walk with our heads high. Help us to be committed, to be strong and courageous, to understand the wrestling match that we're in. We're fighting demons and not just people. We're fighting demons and not just people. And the only way to handle them is to be prepared. God, help us to be prepared this morning as we go out and fight those demons. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.